Punch your toes in, and you're heel down. My father was uh, was loath to criticize me or anyone else. Tony, stop the excuses. Just because you're corrected doesn't mean that you're no good. Just learn to ride again. Try to remember. Forget about the brute. I'm, I'm just thinking about you for a minute. Forget about the brute. And it's not a brute. Look at your feet. Look at your feet. Look at your feet. Look, look, look where they are. You're doing that for them. That's where I ride. But you must not ride that way. That's why you're riding badly. That, 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 that. That, that, feel that vice form. That's why I say to go forward in your saddle. Arch your back and go forward, like that. Because you feel that vice form there. I used to ride around with a peso, with a silver peso. Take a jump with a silver peso there. You don't believe that, huh? Nope. Go ahead. That's great, don't kick. I won't get him moving if I don't kick him. That's my boy. Never forget that. Couldn't be better, Doc. As long as you don't serve the chicken that way. <laughs> Tell me, um, what are the blues? They're calling it an accident. Who's the investigating officer? Lou Escobar. He's a lieutenant. You know him? Oh, yeah. Where from? We used to work together in Chinatown. Would you call him a capable man? Very. Honest? As far as it goes. Of course, he has to swim in the same water we all do. Of course, but you've no reason to think he's bungled it. I have a competition in me. I want no one else to succeed. I hate most people. That part of me is gone. Working and not succeeding. All my uh, failures has left me. Uh, I just don't care. Well, if it's in me, it's in you. Good evening. And welcome to the Dr. Zeus Film Podcast. I'm imitating, am I imitating Daniel Plainview from There Will Be Blood? Or was Daniel Day-Lewis imitating John Huston? The infamous director, John Marcellus Huston. Oh yes. Without John Huston, you don't have the Maltese Falcon and you don't have that leading man, Humphrey Bogart. This is before Casablanca. John Marcellus Houston, born August 5th, today, 1906, in Nevada, Missouri. Died August 28th, 1987, in Middleton, Rhode Island. Son of Mr. Walter Houston and Rhea Gore. He was in the Army Corps of World War II was a rebel. Houston has been referred to as a titan, a rebel, a renaissance man. In Hollywood film industry, author Ian is it, Freer describes him as cinema's 
Ernest Hemingway, oh yes, a filmmaker who was never afraid to tackle tough issues head-on. During his 46-year career, Houston received 15 Oscar nominations, winning twice. He directed both his father, Walter Houston, and his daughter, Angelica Houston, to Oscar wins. He was the only child of Rhea Gore and Canadian-born Walter Houston. I've talked about this before on many, many occasions, how a lot of Canadians, and I have a lot of Canadian friends and listeners, the LNC666 and Strombo, um, that a lot of Canadians helped to build Hollywood in the early days and still continue to light and ignite that fire of inclusion in Hollywood. Mr. John Houston was no exception. Think of that. He had Canadian roots through his father. John Houston's films. Also, I want to mention the clip of Daniel Day-Lewis from There Will Be Blood, who based his voice on John Houston when he played oil man Daniel Plainview in There Will Be Blood. That was so good that he won an Oscar for There Will Be Blood. <sighs> John Houston. The, the movies themselves. I mean, George Stevens Jr. said, Houston symbolized intellect, charm, physical grace. Within the film industry, he was the most charismatic of the directors I knew, speaking with a soothing, melodic voice that was often mimicked, but was unique to him. That's true. He was even an actor acted and his daughter has said that he saw his acting as a lark he started out in films in 1930 as a writer for the storm and then in 1941 80 years ago he directed his first feature the maltese falcon his directorial debut even his father walter houston appears in the film carrying the maltese falcon wish him luck he went on to do oh okay I didn't he was a writer in High Sierra see he loved working with Humphrey Bogart that was one of his good friends as a director he did In This Our Life Across the Pacific There Will Be Light The Treasure of the Sierra Madre Badges we ain't got no stinking badges We're we're gonna get to that Key Largo We Were Strangers, The Asphalt Jungle, The Red Badge of Courage, The African Queen, Moulin Rouge, Beat the Devil, Moby Dick, Heaven Knows, Mr. Allison. I have to mention that because tomorrow is the birthday of Mr. Robert Mitchum, who appeared in Heaven Knows, Mr. Allison, who enjoyed, I'm sure, working with John Huston, who did The Misfits with Marilyn Monroe and Clark Gable. That was Clark Gable's last film. The Night of the Iguana, The Bible, Casino Royale, Reflections of a Golden Eye, and appeared in Chinatown, directed by Roman Polanski, starring his then, well, maybe, uh, he wasn't really his son-in-law, but Jack was dating Angelica Huston. Pritzi's Honor, The Dead, Mr. North, which was written by him. The Dead was his last directorial work. 
he was he was often mimicked because John Houston had that very booming voice. You need to understand here that he was a director. He was a director along the lines of Ernest Hemingway. He was on Dick Cavett once and they talked about leeches and how they used to have them in the barbershop to get rid of the black eye. You know, the uh, the bags under the eyes. And he said it was such, such brilliance. I was listening and finishing Angelica Houston's book on her life. And it was, it was riveting. I love when she talked about her father. Let's cut to Danny Houston talking about his father and the Maltese Falcon. And so let's talk about the Blackbird. Yes. <laughs> National Hamlet. You know, one of my childhood memories was in Ireland, there'd always be a big kerfuffle about getting the projector out. They'd plug in the projector. And then finally, the projector light went on and the beam would cross the room through the cigar smoke and up would come these films. And Maltese Falcon was always a joy. That title sequence that you saw the Falcon you knew you were in for a good ride. This is such a confident directorial debut from your dad. I mean, obviously he had the writer background, but everything that he's doing is quite complex and nuanced. Yes, yes, and and it was uh, meticulously prepared. Everything was very controlled, storyboarded. Of course, he left room for the actors to, to interpret certain moves, but everything was pretty... Uh, worked out beforehand and uh, he had advice from from Hawks from William Wyler from Walsh um, and um, um, really applied everything that that they taught him or advice that they'd given him um, to, to make this film and every atom in it really is perfectly placed see Mr. Speed I'm trying to recover ornament that uh, shall we say has been mislaid uh-huh And that is Danny Houston talking very lovingly about his father and his directorial debut released 80 years ago. Oh, the Maltese Falcon. We'll get to Treasure of the Sierra Madre. Here's Angelica Houston talking about her father and and the effect he had on her. Dad was six feet two and long-legged, taller and stronger and with a more beautiful voice than anybody. His hair was salt and pepper. He had the broken nose of a boxer and a dramatic air about him. I don't remember ever seeing him run. Rather, he ambled or took long, fast strides. He walked loose-limbed and sway-backed like an American, but dressed like an English gentleman. Corduroy trousers, crisp shirts, knotted silk ties, Jackets with suede elbows, tweed caps, fine custom-made leather shoes and pajamas from Sulka with his initials on the pocket. He smelled of fresh tobacco and of Guerlain's lime cologne. An omnipresent cigarette dangled from his fingers. It was almost an extension of his body. His tone was carefully unstudied and casual. His tastes were eclectic. At work, he wore bush jackets and khakis as if going to war. Over the years, I've heard my father described as a Lothario, a drinker, a gambler, 
a man's man more interested in killing big game than in making movies. It is true that he was extravagant and opinionated, but dad was complicated, self-educated for the most part, inquisitive and well-read. Not only women, but men of all ages fell in love with my father, with that strange loyalty and forbearance men reserve for each other. They were drawn to his wisdom, his humor, his magnanimous power. They considered him a lion, a leader, the pirate they wished they had the audacity to be. Although there were few who commanded his attention, Dad liked to admire other men, and he had a firm regard for artists, athletes, the titled, the very rich, and the very talented. Most of all, he loved characters, people who made him laugh and wonder about life. And that's Angelica Houston talking about her father, whom she loved and often mystified her. And in her other book, Watch Me, she talks about, of course, Jack Nicholson and his infidelities. And her father had his own infidelities. And she talked about it and he says, oh, honey, come on. It's what men do. That's, <coughs> that's my impression of Mr. John Houston. I've seen so many of his films. Of course, Treasure of Sierra Madre. That's a special film. I think anytime he directed his daughter or his father, it's it's special because you can see it. You can see it. And um What what a powerhouse. What a character. He loved characters because he himself was a very outrageous character and not in a bad way in a very Pierre Resistance you know Renaissance every man and a very eccentric that's what I loved about him Here's, here's a tribute my father once said the most important thing in life was interest He was somebody who was constantly contemplating other possibilities and other lives. I think movies for him and the making of movies was an adventure. Thanks, darling. Growing up in a filmmaking family, I often remember being told my father had to go away to work. My earliest memory of being on a movie set was when my father made Moby Dick. I was less than four years old, but I remember meeting Greg Peck, and I remember the whales. My father's movies are most often about survival against all odds. He loved to put people, including himself, under pressure or in a position of danger. All right, you got a gun, huh? You gonna use it or not? Kill him, Major. Yeah, kill him, Major. <laughs> Go ahead, show him how you're not afraid to die. Shoot! His first film was The Maltese Falcon. I think all first-time filmmakers have a passion to do something completely innovative and wonderful, but it's such a rarity that a first effort would come out with this kind of intensity, with these performances, with this strong a story. If all 
I've said doesn't mean anything to you, then forget it and we'll make it just this. I won't because all of me wants to, regardless of consequences. And because you counted on that with me, the same as you counted on that with all the others. My grandfather, Walter Houston, did a cameo in that movie to wish my father luck. That's him delivering the bird. You know... He was one of the great character actors of the 30s and 40s and made nearly 50 films. And my father idolized him. I never got to meet my grandfather because he died two years before I was born. When I was a child, I always thought of him as a toothless old prospector. Ah, sure, I'm an odd old bone now, but say, don't you guys think the spirit's gone? Treasure of the Sierra Madre was one of the staples of my childhood. Up until the age of about 10, the only movies I'd seen were on my father's projector at home, and I knew that one by heart. My grandfather is amazing in it. Without me, you two would die here more miserable than rats. I'll leave him alone. <laughs> Can't you see the old man's nuts? <laughs> nuts! Nuts, am I? <laughs> Let me tell you something, my two fine pet fellows. You're so dumb, there's nothing to compare you with. You're dumb at the dumbest jackass. Look at each other, will you? Do you ever see anything like yourself for being bone specimens? <laughs> And the story goes that when my father showed him the rough cut of the movie, Walter got very upset. He was despondent. He just thought the whole thing was terrible. And he said to my father, better luck next time, kid. And it's ironic because they both won Oscars for their work in that film. And of course, it's a classic. Hey, um, you should take a fellow American to a meal. That's my father, John, in the white suit doing a cameo with Bogart and Sierra Madre. He always called his acting career a lark, and he did it mostly for fun. But he was a wonderful actor. He had an extraordinary physicality. Nobody looked like him. And he had that voice. See, Mr. Gibbs, most people never have to face the fact that the right time and the right place, they're capable of everything. He never really took his acting very seriously. In fact, he didn't even like many actors. But he truly loved Humphrey Bogart. They had a great understanding of each other, and they had fun together. But I think Bogart somehow fit into my father's physical idea of himself. Because all in all, I think his movies were about him. He had a voracious appetite for challenge was shaped by his own discoveries and when you watch his films you see the reflection of his true inner workings the, uh, the dreams are made up isn't that wonderful is i thought let's play that because only his family knew him so well and he directed so many films <coughs> and i won't i will Try to continue this wonderful exercise of exorcism, of conjuring John Houston. Because you know I did also direct Mr. Robert Mitchum, who was barrel-chested and loved a smoke pot, with the wonderful and effervescent Deborah Kerr, and heaven knows, Mr. Allison.
mission accomplished, like they say, ma'am. Oh. I ain't killed nothing. Oh, oh lie down, Mr. Allison. we are, or whether I ever get to see your face again. You will be my dear companion always. Always. Hey, Maureen, you got a cigarette? And so, of course, that was Heaven Knows, Mr. Allison. Directed by me, John Houston, as I'm being conjured right now from space. I directed my daughter, the effervescent Angelica Houston, in Prixie's honor. Oh, hi, May Rose. Hey. So, we got cut off. Technical difficulties. Dr. Zeus Film Podcast. Celebrating John Houston. Who would have been 115. Wouldn't that be interesting if we could all live past that? You know, Catherine Hepburn, who was in 
the African queen, said, I think we rot away and it's too goddamn bad we do. She had a good point. She left to be 96. (laughs) But the African queen, first of all, Humphrey Bogart won his only Academy Award for that. It was the first time he'd ever worked with Katherine Hepburn. And I know that John Houston was so proud. First of all, Houston was not friends with a lot of actors. But he loved making films with his good friend Humphrey Bogart. And he was very... I mean, he... he did Bogart's eulogy at his funeral. The fact that he he would outlive Humphrey Bogart, I'm sure didn't sit well with him. It didn't sit well with a lot of people. And here we go. The African Queen. Good morning, Mr. Olnut. Good morning, Miss. Ah, Lindy, they've come at last. Huh? My rose trees. Ah, you'll stay for tea? I don't mind if I do. I sure need something in my condition. I'm in for going over when I get back to the mine. Them Belgians will call me all the names they can think of, but I don't mind being cussed out in a foreign language. They won't fire me. Ain't nobody in Africa, except yours truly can get up a good head of steam on the old African queen. When actors collaborate with their directors, or as George Lucas once said, when him and Spielberg were going to, you know, originally Tom Selleck had read for Indiana Jones, but then he couldn't do it because of Magnum P.I. Thank goodness. So Spielberg said, how about Harrison Ford? And George Lucas said, I don't want him to be my Bobby De Niro. Because Scorsese had worked with De Niro all the time. And we go over to John Huston and Humphrey Bogart. They made, geez, several films together. Several. Several. And the fact that finally, Bogart would win the Oscar for a film directed by his good friend and collaborator, John Huston. And it was, you know... it was that uh, Lauren McCall talked about that. She said how that was, it was a different time in terms. It was, it was everyone knew each other within the industry. It wasn't about television 
like it is now and ratings and the you know the competitive nature of an an academy award in fact john houston won two academy awards or no one i think because he no he wrote did he write treasure ceremony i know he won for director and his father walter houston won for supporting actor that's such a performance, Walter Houston. If you've ever seen Treasure of Sierra Madre, there's some really good moments. Of course, you know, Badges. Everyone everyone knows that one. The Bandits. In fact, Dick Cavett once asked John Houston, were those actors or real bandits? Oh, those were bandits. Well, you know, I can't really go too much into it. That's That's from what I remember in the interview. We're just jumping around here. He also did The Misfits, the last film that Clark Gable ever did. Him and Marilyn Monroe. Thelma Ritter. He did Night of the Iguana. You've got Richard Burton, who was already knee-deep in Elizabeth Taylor. Yes, I said it. And Ava Gardner. Ava Gardner, who just... She was letting it out in Night of the Iguana. She really was. But then if we jump over, I'd played a clip from Pritzi's Honor, which won his daughter, Angelica Houston, an Academy Award. He was also nominated for Pritzi's Honor. So... We come to The Dead. In between that, Houston directed The Man Who Would Be King, Sean Connery, Annie. And then we come to the final film, The Dead. Another collaboration between his son and his daughter. I think his son wrote the screenplay. And... Those of you who are aware of, I, I'm somewhat aware of Ernest Hemingway. I've seen the movies that are based off of his books. The fact that John Huston has been called the Ernest Hemingway of film, I'm sure he was very taken with that. <laughs> he was a character. I mean, to listen to... His daughter talks about the funeral for John Houston. He was a heavy, heavy smoker. He had lived with emphysema. He still smoked cigars, even toward the end. And how they couldn't get over how... He had been embalmed and how fake he looked. And, and unfortunately, that's what happens. The open casket. Open casting right there. And... I think they looked at him and said, oh, geez, I know, John, you just can't wait to get out of here, so I'll keep it short. Yeah. It was funny, the way she, he said it. Um, in 1987, hooked up to oxygen, John Houston directed his final film, The Dead. It went on to win him posthumously an Independent Spirit Award, and his daughter, Angelica Houston, a supporting Independent Spirit Award because it truly was 
an independent film. John Huston had made several films for studios, and here he was toward the end of his life doing it through an independent form. So we, it was, he brought it full circle. And it was based off of James, jo- James Joyce. And here we go. I've never felt that way myself towards any woman. But I know that such a feeling must be love. Better to pass boldly into that other world in the full glory of some passion than fade and wither dismally with age. Be loved. Better to pass boldly into that other world in the full glory of some passion than fade and wither dismally with age. And so that's a clip from The Dead, released in 1987. In fact, I don't think he lived to see the finished product. I think he did, but in terms of having it released. Here we go. That's a clip from the dead. I think it it's limited in terms of its availability. I know it's online. Here we go. Tell me what you're thinking. Tell me, I think I know what the matter is. Do I know? Oh, I'm thinking about that song, The Last of Walker. What about that song? Why should that make you cry? I'm thinking about a person long ago who used to sing that song. And that's Angelica Houston. (sighs) What an interesting character. And you know, watching There Will Be Blood, you can hear it. I have a competition and I drink your milkshake. And you, (laughs) the fact that he admitted 
that his that character performance is kind of based off of John Huston. Leave it to Daniel Day-Lewis to conjure him for the 21st century. One of my personal favorites, of course, is Key Largo. Sometimes it's about the cast. And in Key Largo, ooh, you had Edward G. Robinson, Humphrey Bogart, Lauren Bacall, and Claire Trevor, who went on to win an Oscar, is playing Gay Dawn, this alcoholic gun mall who sings and breaks everyone's heart. Even though it wasn't, it wasn't, it was shot on a soundstage, I like to think that it was actually shot in Key Largo. Hurricanes and movies. And, and also, let's not forget, we also have, uh, Barrymore. So, and the ending of Key Largo, the Key Largo ending, first of all, there's two versions. And if you've seen Key Largo, you know what I'm talking about. Very rarely in that era were there two versions. Mm. There's so many moments in Key Largo. But I'll play this for you. My name is Frank McLeod. I'm about 12 miles off Boot Key Harbor on my way in. Over. Hold your course. You're headed straight for Key Largo. Key Largo. By a man with a price on his head. Nothing to stop me from wiping you all out. What could that do, boss? Forget it. Her kind's a dime a dozen. I say smack her and let it go at that. Smacking her isn't enough for such an insult. He'd have to kill her. Then he'd have to kill the rest of us because we witnessed it. But to kill us all or nothing. We rid ourselves of your kind once and for all. You ain't coming back. Who's gonna stop me all there? Filth. You filth. I won't let you go without me. You got to take me. You got to. Get you got to. I'm wild, kid. Smell blood, huh? Got your appetite up. You can make your hopes come true. But you gotta die for it. See what I'm aiming? Right at your belly. Go ahead, shoot. Get away, sister. Get away, Nora. So that's Key Largo. I forgot to mention Mr. Lionel Barrymore. 
This was an ensemble cast. Another collaboration with Bogart. Johnny Rocco, Edward G. Robinson. Nora Temple, Lauren Bacall. Her invalid father-in-law, Lionel Barrymore. Ex-GI, Frank McLeod, Humphrey Bogart. And Miss Claire Trevor. What an amazing film. And before we end, Mr. Houston, do you have anything to say? As I celebrate my 115th birthday, it's good to at least be alive through the remembrance of film. Thank you. And it's been one hell of a trip. Unpleasant dreams.